Welcome to the Vocational Education Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Dan. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Vocational Education Podcast. I'm very excited today to be joined by Vanessa McCarthy. How are you, Vanessa? I'm very well, thank you, Dan. And yourself? I'm great, enjoying the uh, overcast weather here on the Gold Coast today. Um, that aside, I'd just like to find out a bit more about what you do. Sure. I have um, a small business and I'm located in Cairns. It's called Education Compliance Validators and we're validating uh, validation consultants, but I also have an amazing product called Validated. Our validated system is the first online assessment review product that allows you to upload assessment tools and it reviews it within minutes and provides a competency report regarding um, how much in percentage of compliance it is with the unit of competency. It maps the unit of assessment. It uh, provides you an outcome that identifies any gaps in the assessment tool against the unit using keywords. That sounds fascinating. I can't believe a bit of AI can actually go through and validate an assessment. Okay. So a lot of people think it's not possible. And uh, due to the fact that I've worked in the industry for 20 years and I have heard over that time a lot of RTOs, both private and public, uh, taking identifying that the biggest issues they have related to validating and reviewing assessment is the amount of time it takes. And as I was growing my business, I found a lot of my clients were coming on board and I didn't have enough time in my day to try and do everybody's review. So reviewing a unit of competency where assessment tool against a unit, you have to go through each criteria and then identify the questions in the assessment tool. Well, this system will allow you to identify whether it's a question or an answer, whether it's a theory assessment, a practical assessment, an oral, and all the different types of assessment tools you can do. And within minutes, it has algorithms behind it because I've pre-mapped the unit to identify those key aspects of the unit and where it's found in the whole of the word. So it's like mining text, if you like. Does it have to be in a particular format to, uh, to be recognised? No, not at all. Because all the assessment tools we use across our industry are so different, even though they're against the same unit, whether it be a Word, whether it be Excel, whether it be a PDF, um, they're, they're all so different that um, it will allow you to review it at, at that particular level. Okay, so if I've got a selection of um, e-learning tools, uh, assessments that I can put into some sort of, um, you mentioned PDF, is that the best format to submit these in? It's, it's either or. It doesn't make a difference at all. It's still reviewed. If you can, because we've even uploaded uh, things like crane charts that have the drawings of a crane going in a particular direction. It has uh, those risk matrix, you know, the ones that have whether it's a high or low risk and it has all those lovely colours and, and it has uh, identified whether, um, you know, a particular activity has an element, uh, uh, elimination or a... Uh, uh, a PPE requirement. It reviews all of those things. Oh, okay. So, so not just text, but also graphics. Yeah. So the graphics will have text embedded in them, so it will review those as well. And it literally takes minutes. That sounds absolutely amazing. I can't believe we haven't done this before. <laughs> it sounds. So, <laughs> how did you develop it? Did you develop it with um, other tech people, or is this your your baby? How did you get to this end result? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, in, with three years, I, I've been in business now in this current company for four years. I started, and I started because I actually got fired, and it's it's a wonderful story about the you know what do you do when you have nothing to do? Well, you start dreaming, and so I started dreaming this up and researching and developing all the different types of online assessment tools and reviews and mapping that you can do. And I didn't find anything that will enable um, a client to do this really quickly. So. Uh, the um, I didn't have I don't have the skills in coding, but I have the skills in content and context related to VET. So I sourced part of that three-year research and development. I was looking overseas to see who could do it, and there was an astronomical amount uh, that can be done, but it's very out of your control when it's overseas. So I found. Uh, a wonderful gentleman by the name of Angelo, who is the owner of uh, ProList, uh, Pro and he's a um, technical uh, digital engineer in Cairns, and he has his own company related to real estate. And I met him through another contact, and we started talking, and he said, I can do this for you. So I've managed to, because the big things that I like to do in my company is support local business. So local being Cairns, if possible, Australia, absolutely. Uh, and another one is a, uh, supporting employment of women and empowering them. So although Angelo's not a woman, he's definitely a local guy. He was even uh, born in the Tablelands. So him and his team, Michael, did an amazing job. And then over three years, I'd already pictured out and did a whole storyboard of what I wanted to, to do and what it needed to do. I educated them on the TAE and what was required for an assessment tool. And then within six months, he had actually created it for me. Wow. So it's quite a, quite a lot of pre-time and a lot of investment into it. Hmm. Have you managed to trial this now with RTOs who have then had that validation audited? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, so it's all based on the fact that, as I said, 20 years of experience, and I've previously mapped assessment tools um, manually. And so the manual process is actually done behind the scenes. So you've already pre-mapped a unit. And what I mean by pre-mapping is I've aligned the performance criteria with the knowledge evidence and performance evidence, as well as the foundation skills. Okay. So that's already embedded with everyone. And I have uh, subscribers to the system now. And uh, they have, other people have used the way I've mapped through audits and a lot of fabulous feedback has been received from auditors to say that's actually the best way of mapping. And you don't see a lot of mapping like that in, in the real world. You, they usually go from top to bottom on a unit of competency. So they write a question for performance criteria one, then a question for performance criteria two, and then they get down to the knowledge evidence and they ask another question where... The actual unit, when you unpack a unit properly and actually align the performance evidence with the performance criteria, you get a much better holistic assessment. And therefore, if you map holistically, you're not wasting your time. See, the other thing this system can do, uh, there's lots of units out there at the moment who have recently been upgraded. So there's licensing units, for example, when you want to do a forklift license, it's now not only had a national standard assessment tool upgrade, but it's also been upgraded in the unit. So those doing it manually might take four hours to review this normally. They now have to go back and redo it. So it's wasting a lot of people's time. Whereas this system, I just up, I've already uploaded that unit of competency. I just reviewed the old to the new and make the changes in the system, which takes less than 10 minutes. 
and then somebody can just upload their current assessment tool or the, to from the old unit and go, okay, I want you to revisit this assessment tool against the new unit. And again, within seconds, it's already done. That's fantastic. So when we get to mapping, I, I want to just unpack mapping for a second. We talk about mapping a unit of competency. It, it was interesting at the recent VET conference, there was a, a speaker who did a whole session on on mapping and, and it just makes people realize that they've either been doing it, overdoing it, underdoing it or doing it completely wrong. <laughs> Very few people do it holistically. It was nice to hear you say that. It's uh, yes. when the developers come up with performance and knowledge evidence, that is there to underpin the performance criteria, not be there instead of or, or, or added to. Yeah, you should be able to absolutely uh, create the assessment that meets all the performance criteria. And because it meets those, it actually also meets the performance evidence and knowledge evidence. It, it kind of makes sense to do it that way. And the other way, you'd end up with these assessments that you see where people are getting confused because it's taking them months to do an assessment that other people seem to only take a few weeks to do or a few days to do. And it's because the mapping has been done badly. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also the timing of the mapping. A lot of providers, because they want to just get out there and train, they purchase these assessment products. And I'm fine with purchasing assessment products as long as the RTO understand it's their responsibility to make sure that it's contextualised for their student. So that contextualisation also needs to understand that, okay, they may have three different assessment tools, a theory assessment, a practical assessment, and a third-party assessment. Well, that's just fabulous. However, if the student is learning it in a different way or they have different learning needs, all three, the way that they're structured, might not be appropriate. So you need to make sure you have a clear mapping process to say, okay, if I don't use one of those, do I still cover all the requirements? And the other thing I find, Dan, is people don't map foundation skills very well at all. Some of those that have clear outlined foundation skills in the unit, like a lot from the business services training package, they say, okay, this writing or written skill has to apply to this performance criteria and that performance criteria, but they seem to just forget it. And if it's not mapped mm. properly, then if, if you map an assessment that you've already bought and it doesn't include it, they just forget it altogether. If those people are the RTOs that are creating assessment tools, uh, then you should be mapping the unit quite clearly straight away because, as you said, to actually perform a task, you need to know how to do the task, which is your knowledge evidence or your old uh, required knowledge, and then the actual performance evidence or critical aspects used to be the outcome of that performance. So it all goes in a line, and a lot of the mapping that should be done, even if you do it manually and don't use my system. I'm I'm fine with that. My purpose is to actually improve assessment tools and improve assessment methods and outcomes. If you don't use Validator, I'm cool with that as long as you're doing it properly. If it's going to take you 20 hours, though, you might want to reconsider where you're putting your money regarding investment of time uh, and whether you've got the skills associated with to do it. As you said, it's a high-level process. If you've not got the skills in your RTO, then you need to source it. You need to find someone else to assist you in this process. Um, and the, the focus on validation should have been bringing this into the forefront because part of the validation process is to ensure your assessment tools meet the criteria of a unit of competency. Yeah, it, do you, what do you think about the fact that mapping isn't actually an audit requirement? Uh, 
I'm in two minds of it. I think it should be, but I think then it would put on far greater administrative requirements on an RTO, which are already um, being hampered by not understanding the full requirement of that anyway. So if they had the skills associated with that, then that would be okay. But there's a lot of trainers and assessors that don't, A, get involved in mapping uh, or even get involved in validation So or even writing assessment tools, which is where some of the angst came from, from the new TAE. It included the, the uh, assessment unit of writing an assessment tool and validation. So it's I'm in two minds. I'd be happy if everybody had the ability to do it and it was easy for them. But I wouldn't be happy if it was an additional administrative requirement that RTOs don't necessarily need to do. See, the other side of this too, Dan, is the fact that our assessment tools that are created aren't being created properly, that are, are available for purchase. I, I think they're trying to fit in one size fit all. Some, like every industry, have people, I just want to put that out there and make some money. But others are created really well but are not explained correctly to the user. So you can have a great product, but it's not used efficiently as it should be, or they need to know how they can change it to reflect the needs of their student. Would you agree that if you do buy off-the-shelf assessment tools, that they tend to over-assess? Yes, they do, absolutely. But I think they do that to try and cover all bases just to cover more people than less people. But the people who are reading it think they have to do everything and they don't. Yeah, that's the, and that's going back to your earlier point about there's no direction on how to use the tools. Uh, I, and if there is, it's it's written in um, such a long blurb that people skip over it, in my experience anyway. The foundation skills in these units, when they're listed, they are matched to, as you mentioned, matched to performance criteria. So not mapping them is is such a silly oversight because it's kind of done for you anyway in the unit. You just have to make sure it's covered in the assessment. And the other thing I was going to ask you about uh, with regards to not mapping now, but just with validation, if we are trying to make sure that a unit of competence is validly producing or gathering evidence, then we really, we don't just should have, we really need a mapping tool anyway. So that's why I asked about, you know, even though it's not a requirement at audit, it really should be a lay down misere as a, as a requirement for RTOs anyway, because you know, without it, you're having to explain how each question matches the performance criteria or the, or the unit. And that's just a long way of doing it anyway. Yeah, I think it should be embedded rather than additional. That's what I was trying to point out. I agree it absolutely needs to be done. But the problem is when it is being done at the moment, it's not done properly. So, uh, yes, it needs to be done, but it needs to be done properly. Yes, it should be embedded. It shouldn't be an additional. And the, I mean, the, the statistics are quite clear. At the moment, and it has been since 2014, I think, 70% or thereabouts of RTOs coming into our industry fail. They're not compliant in the assessment part. So something's got to be done. Now, TAE, I mean, I've been in the industry since before it was the BSZ. So the, it's always had an element of assessment, training and assessment in it. That's the fundamental part of our VET system. But no matter how much you change the trainer and assessor requirements, the assessment part is still a problem. So that was one of my guiding things. Not only did I not have the time to do everybody's and I needed to make this process quicker, 
I felt that the way people are reviewing assessments is still not sufficient to ensure the assessment process covers the requirement. So I thought, how can we make this better and easier and far more affordable for providers and make sure all of the content is included in it? So as I said before, I've recently had a look at the new uh, licensed outcome um, national standard. It's, it's a mandatory assessment. And I put that through my system and it only complies with 70% of the unit, 70%. So if an RTO is only using that, and they have to use it, if they're only using that, they're missing key parts of a unit of competency. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's a good thing. If, if you're going to assess somebody against the skill and the knowledge, have you made sure that you've actually covered it in your training aspects? The one thing we're trying to avoid in doing that is becoming myopic and just focusing solely on the assessment when we don't really know, uh, you know, depending on the, the sort of training that's going on, we don't really know whether the training's covered that component anyway. People have often asked me, you know, when we get audited, our mapping, does it have to include the learning content? And my answer is no, it doesn't. It absolutely does not have to. However, no, if you're going should. to, yeah, well, it, it, it could. As best practice, yeah. it's probably yes. advisable for people to yes. at least have a higher level mapping. So say, you know, this bit covers this performance criteria and don't, don't go too far into it because some people tend to go, oh yeah, but that little bit of knowledge evidence is only covered here or here or not covered under that unit, but another unit, we've got to cluster them and da, 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 and they get all very confused about how to map the content towards it. So anyway, mapping aside, tell me what else about uh, your business is excelling at the moment in the vet industry. What else are you doing that's really going well for you? Um, I'm providing a lot of content on social media, just around the real clear basics of assessment and assessment processes and how to really understand things like the rules of evidence and principles of assessment. Because I think that, um, unfortunately, there's a couple of things. One is we're focused so hard on audit that we're moving away from what we should be doing, and that's focusing on the student and the quality of training and assessment in our industry. That's It's, it's a shame. And the other thing is the standards are a, a, a line in the sand that's not necessarily quality itself. It needs to actually go above and beyond it. So a lot of my content that I'm putting out there is going, okay, let's let's make these things real. Let's not do this for audit. Let's do this for why it needs to be done. So even simple things like authenticity of uh, a student's work. Why is that of benefit for the student? Why is that of benefit for the RTO? Not because it's required at audit, but because there is a clear indication that the student has the fundamental knowledge and skills required and it's their work. They're not taking it from somebody else. Or even in a group situation, they absolutely understand that it's their part of the process that is being reviewed for their skills. Vanessa, can you tell us how we can get in touch with you if we want to make use of your service? Absolutely. You can either email me at info at edcv.com.au or if you follow a hashtag, it's hashtag educate, E-D-U-C-8, as in the number, uh, compliance. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you do want to get in touch with Vanessa and, and make use of this amazing sounding um, online validation tool, then um, yeah, please do. I'd love to hear your feedback about it as well. So again, thanks for your time, Vanessa. Thank you, Dan. Well, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get all the latest from a myriad of excellent speakers, thought leaders, 
and just interesting people in the vet sector. Until next time, this has been Dan Hill and the Vocational Education Podcast. Have a great day.